Today is April 9th, and it's the voicemail episode, and we have a lot of voicemails. Thank you to everyone that called in, and we have Katie Sharp joined us for her what will become a weekly uh, segment. Uh, Katie Sharp giving us some KT stats, and the Yankees just lost, so I'm in a bad mood, but let's do this. Let's talk Yanks. All right, what's up? Welcome to Talking Yanks. Thank you guys for hitting play and joining us today. Day voicemail episode. My name's John Boy. I'm coming to you from New Jersey, and I got my co-host Jake coming from Denver. He's a transplanted Yankee fan, originally from Connecticut. Today's episode is brought to you by a bunch of super, 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 super special people. Reese Gilbertson, Rias Gilbertson, Steve Sibert, Sibert, what would you say? Uh, Cybert, Sydney Mook, Nick Mitchell, Sydney Mook. I recognize that name. I think she's on the Twitter sphere. Nick Mitchell, Adam Swayze, like whoa, and Aaron Ivy. Aaron Ivy. That's nice, short, punchy name. Aaron Ivy. It's a power name. Yeah, it's yeah. Aaron Ivy. It's a cool name. I like that one. Well, those are most recent Patreon subscribers. Two dollars a month. Get you live access, get you video access to all the podcasts, get you a chance to win two jerseys each month, one via raffle, one via contest, some other stuff and some other stuff, and it supports us, and we really, really appreciate everyone that helps us out. Jake, how are you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm shocked at how mad you are. I mean, I was I was sad. And, I mean, disappointed, obviously, because we had Verlander beat and we had Houston on the ropes. I don't know. Our our bullpen didn't have it today. Britain didn't have it. Vino gave up a run. It's, you know, 90% of the time when Adam Adovino and Zach Britton are going to come in, they're not going to let in three runs. And I know Britain's is worse. I get that. Um, And, I mean, talk about base. Britain's is much worse, yeah. Oh yeah, it's worse. Um, I mean, Adovino gave up a run too. He, I'm he, I'm a, I'm mad at Twitter, not at the game. Well, I'm mad at the game too, but Twitter's the what's got me fired up. Yeah, Twitter's gonna do that. Um, and <laughs> you lit at every day, Big Daddy. I don't have to tell you, but but yeah, I don't get it. Boone, Boone managed a fine game, handing the ball to the bullpen in the seventh with a two-run lead is literally the goal of every yeah. game for the Yankees. That is the game plan. And everyone's People like, People are going to be mad at Boone. Tanaka was cruising. He wasn't. I love Tank, but he was struggling those last two innings. Like that, that double player Shella turned was a rocket shot. Everyone was hard hit. He was struggling to find the zone. So I'm mad at Britain, and I'm mad at everyone that's excusing Britain. Britain fucked up. Yeah, it was, it was a damned if you do. I mean, there was a chance they were going to pull Tanaka within that inning, and then he gets out of it. And then, yeah, I mean, it turns into a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If if Britain and Adovino do what they normally do, 
we're not sitting here talking about this. We're talking about the Yankees just got Verlander and we're we're on a hot streak. Um, if he leaves Tanaka in and he gives up a hit or anything, you know, he you know, Boone gets yelled at for that. Why did we bring him out for another inning? He was getting touched up. So Exactly. I mean, so no one I, no one's ever gonna be happy with Boone. He's he's got a little Giancarlo Stan effect, man. How I how know, people it, love it, Judge. It bothers me that people like he handed the ball in the seventh inning to one of his best relievers, and they're yep. saying that was bad managing. I've no. I, it just boggles my brain that people don't realize they're searching for a reason to blame Boone and skipping blaming the player who walked a struggling eighth hole hitter on four pitches, yep. and then gave up a hit to a nine hole. We were, we're our goal was to not really talk about the games on this and just do voicemails, but it's impossible not to when you have this is the game. Yeah, it. I mean, it happened. The bullpen didn't do their job today. Um, that's that's kind of where I'm at. The little sad, disappointed, but got to clap your hands and move on. Again, a, a lot of almost we did almost everything else we wanted to do in this game. Tanaka had a great start. Uh, the hitters got to Verlander. The bullpen wasn't there today. Ninety percent of the time, Adovino and Britain aren't aren't going to give up those runs. So I I don't know. For me, it's a shrug. Sucks. Wish we had it. Uh. And it might be even a more of a bummer tomorrow with lasagna on the mound and we've burnt Adovino in Britain. I guess Britain could pitch again tomorrow. Not Adovino. He threw 30 bullets and he's been pitching every game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if the effects... I'm, I'm worried that the effects of this game are going to be actually worse than this was. It was Houston at home. I mean, they're really good and our bullpen didn't have it. Yeah. Should we still save some other stuff for... The recap because you're gonna have to burn this game, so yeah, we'll save some stuff. Yeah, New yeah, I think we said we said everything that needs to be said. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a lot more to talk about, but we'll shelf it. Just the initial frustration we got out of the way here. Yeah, that's fine. Um, you had a really nice. How'd you open this? You said, "Click play." What'd you just see? I thought Zimmer, my dog, was throwing up, but he's got his bone, which means he's gonna go on a like a. Crazy, like, crackhead trying to find their fix. That's what he is right. when he has his bone. He's trying to hide it. And all he does is try to put it underneath a pillow. And he doesn't have thumbs, so he can't really do that. Right. So this is going to be a whole nightmare that's happening in the background. What a dumb right. dog. Well, you had a really nice click play and listen to us today or whatever you said at the intro. That was really good. Yeah, I'm an intro expert. Okay. Wow. Okay. I didn't know you had dubbed yourself that. So, <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't have. Sa- I wouldn't have even said anything if I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my bad. You're telling that's me I had bad. a nice rhyme at the intro. I don't remember. I just take I just, it back. It was good. You're going to be super impressed with yourself. I don't prep those at all. I just look at my phone to find the date and then talk. Like I'm thinking, you make it your signature, man. Like it was that good. Wow. This is great. You really know how to bring me up. Yeah, man. <laughs> Intro expert. Dude, I'm, I, uh, I can't get myself to come down. I was walking around my kitchen, and Katie was like, how are you? And I was like, I'm trying to get myself to come down right now because I'm so angry. This happens to me right now, and I just get so pent up and uh, frustrated. And Jim, in the, in the wise word of a friend of mine, a person can be smart. People are dumb. I know. I just wish they realized what they do. That's how they do, man. Someone just said if Tanaka pitches, 
Tanaka stays in, they win it, and that's a fact. And I said, that's literally not a fact because you have no idea. And that's the only reason you're doing this argument is because no one can disprove you because there you can't. no one can prove anything. It's like right. just a stupid fucking way to go about arguing something. Boone's always going to be loathed because he inherited what everyone called a golden goose, essentially. And they assumed the Yankees would just roll to win three consecutive rings and keep it moving. I know, and I understand that. And Boone will always get shit. But a game when you hand a two-run lead to your bullpen, right. that is the the simplest, easiest managing decision you could ever have. Oh, Tanaka on 80 pitches, third time through the order when he just had to get out of a jam and emptied himself to get out of it? Or Zach Britton, our shutdown reliever, fresh out the pen in the seventh inning it's the easiest decision of all time and people still acting like boone was did a, the wrong decision luckily the people listening with us jim already know that that's true that's true that is we're probably annoying a lot of listeners because i'm doing exactly what i said yesterday where you say who's the dumbest person here let's debate and it'll trap you all right so we got a lot of voicemails, Jake. I don't know how many. We'll see how many we can get to because we do have a segment with Katie Sharp, which we're introducing every Tuesday at the back end of these episodes. That's exciting. So, yes, sir. Uh, all right, you want to go into voicemails? Yeah, let's go into my voicemails. Uh, let's go into my voicemails. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to play some of my old voicemails I've never deleted from my phone. Um, yeah, get excited for Katie Sharp. She's the absolute best. Um, and we're, we're looking for a name of that segment. Start, start swirling around. We'll circle back to it. And a reminder that the voicemail eps are brought to you guys by Diamond Baseball Tours. You heard us talking about them in the spring. The guy that owns Diamond Baseball Tours is the man. I'm, I'm like falling for him. We send flirty texts. It's, it's, that's cool. That, that wasn't in the ad read. But go check them out, www.diamondbaseballtours. They still have registration for the Hall of Fame tour coming up that is like a week-long baseball fan's dream. They're going to Yankee Stadium, Fenway, Philly. It ends up in Cooperstown. They take care of all the travel, all the hotels, and they do these trips all around the country. And a little spoiler, we're going to be doing a special one for Jeter next year. So get familiar with Diamond Baseball Tours. Go check them out. Sign up for their mailing list. Good guy, good people. And if you know any baseball fans, this is something they need to know. So, Boom. All right. I have no idea what order these are in, so let's just roll with it. Here we go. Hey, guys. It's Ryan from Connecticut. Uh, it's Tuesday, and it looks like the Braves just signed Acuna to an eight-year extension worth 100 mil. Do you guys see the Yankees investing in Judge long-term this year, or do you think they'll do that in the offseason? Uh, let me know. Love the podcast. Thanks, guys. So Acuna got a big extension. I don't know what it was. Isn't he just coming off his first year? Yeah, so uh, we we saw a lot of younger guys get extensions. We saw Tatis get one before he, he played an inning. Eloy Jimenez. Um, yeah, Acuna... Acuna Matata, he's 21 years old. He played one year. He had 26 homers in 111 games, 16 steals. One rookie of the year. The guy's a stud. Um, his extension um, is till 2028, and basically starting in 2023, he makes 17 mil a year. I forget if it was eight years for a hundy spot. 
or I'm I'm not doing good at the math right now. There's some options on the end. Jimmy, here's my thing, and I'll I'll just get it out there. I think with Judge, he's gonna push it a couple more years closer to his to his free agency. These other young guys that signed, Ronald Acuna, Acuna, he can still become a free agent at age 29. Um, he could still become a free agent at age 30 if if the teams if the Braves pick up his team option. He I mean, bought judge, out his arbitration years. But even if yes. the Yankees buy out his buy out judges arbitration years, I don't judge would get shorted. Sevy took a team friendly deal because Sevy has an on and off career and probably got scared by the second half and the injury. Hicks took a, a kind of a friendlier deal because Hicks has injury problems and never expected to get a big deal. Why would Judge sign an extension? I mean, now. That's the thing. I don't think he's going to. And I mean, part of Severino's was was getting paid through some of his arbitration years. He 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 took the money. Um, for Judge, man, I think the age thing is a huge factor. Aaron Judge is going to have one big payday in Major League Baseball. Um, the earliest he can become a free agent is 2023, um, which, I mean, essentially brings him to age 30. So if he keeps it going till then, I do think the Yanks will try to almost nip it in the butt and maybe end of this year or potentially next year, sign him to an eight-year, nine-year big deal like that with some options. Um, right now, it doesn't make too much sense for them to because they're paying him uh, the minimum. None of uh, these extensions it, make that much sense to me anyway. Yeah, I mean, the, the Acuna one, they're basically getting some options for a couple extra years that would go past his arbitration for him to get money in his pocket now. I could do a whole finance equation. I won't because I don't understand it. But um, I, if Judge puts it together this year, there's a chance they'll come together and just do it. And they'll, you know, they'll do a little arbitration raise and then the contract he deserves. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's on the horizon. Okay. I, I, I don't think it's on the horizon. I think it's probably maybe... In the, what what do you mean by on the horizon? You mean next off season? I'd say a year and a half or two. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying closer. Yeah. Okay. No, I, no, I, no, no. Okay. I I, can, I think if if Judge puts it together this year, Jim, I think, you know, they they'll prorate it with some of the salary arbitration stuff they pay him, and I mean maybe I'm biased, but Jim, does this not does he gives off all the vibes? I mean, he seems like he's going to be the next Yankee captain. And if once they give him that extension, that's when they're going to give him that. They said that in that book, that Pride of the Inside the, what's it called? I have it right here. Do you remember? Inside the Inside Empire. Inside the Empire. <laughs> there's a part where it's uh, that book. A book, Jake. Uh, anyone listening? I'll do like a, me and Joe's McFly want to do a book report on it. Right. It kind of sucks. Oh boy. It's just Cashman's point of view. Okay. Like the everything from the Michael K show is everything in the book. And when they tell the stories, they don't tell anyone but Cashman's point of view. Like the story of how Girardi was crying. Right. They never asked Girardi and gave a toll asked Girardi like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and you're also really close with Brian Cashman, so it's kind of unfair. You basically already know. No, I'm just I, I believe that this is what Brian I know. Cashman I was wants that you and the Cash were friends, bud. Yeah, so Interesting, interesting book. But in that book, they said that they want Yan Judge to be a Yankee 
for life, which is smart. I mean, dude, the uh, it just the, the aura that's around him. I know that's not why you give out big contracts and captain badges. You give it to him for the fifty home run seasons, but he's he's everything. Well, and speaking speaking of captain, that's our next voicemail. Hey guys, um, I don't really. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not like a baseball historian. I don't know the history of uh, captains, but I'm wondering if captains teams have to be uh, contact hitters because I know Judge like I see a lot of posts about Judge being the next captain but can you really have a captain that's I mean I'm not trying to be a prisoner of the moment but like tonight right now against the Tigers he has like four strikeouts I feel like a captain has to be uh, like a contact hitter I, I don't know that's just me but let me know what you guys think Pretty interesting point of view here, Jake. Do you think to be captain, you have to be a contact hitter? Uh, I'll say a gentle no. I mean, there's you can have you can have a bad day on the baseball field in a lot of ways. Derek Jeter had O for fours. Everyone that plays the game of baseball for I bet every person that's been a captain of a baseball team has O for four days. I I understand what the person's asking um, to to a degree. I, I think the bigger thing with, with Judge, if if he is to become a captain, and A, they want to give him the extension because he can't make him a captain, and then he kind of has a huge bargaining chip because that's a big thing in Yankees' world. Um, the bigger thing is, like, Yankee captains don't, they don't give that out easily, and it's usually later. I mean, Jeter didn't get be, become the Yankee captain until he was 29, which Seven I mean, years, was, six years in, 2003, yeah. and he came up at 96. Yeah, yes. so I'm went through the history right now. Thurman Munson, eh, contact hitter. His average was pretty good. Don Mattingly, yeah, Donnie Baseball, he could hit. Willie Randolph, yeah, good. Greg Nettles, his highest batting average ever was 276 with the Yankees. Um, his batting average as a Yankee was 253. So there you go. And Ron Guidry was not a contact hitter at all. Not even close. So there's some history there. Um, no judge gets on base like every game. So, and it's more, it's so much more an attitude. No thing. Yeah. So whatever. So like a leader. Is that what it is? <laughs> Kinda. Yo, it's Jared from Jackson. Uh, I was wondering if you think Talkman and Wade have any chance of, of playing past the injuries of of Andujar and Stan. Uh I think they're good players, but I think they're not as good as as Stan and Andujar. But if Andujar is uh, gone for long, do you think that either Wade or Talkman will, will stay here? Thank you. What's Wade and Talkman's future? Um right now No, I mean they're not lasting on this team. Neither are lasting on this team. All it takes is for Hicks to come back. And, or G might beat him back. Or G might beat him back. Eventually, hopefully, I mean, we'll see if Clint keeps this up. This is very, very biased in the moment, but it looks like if Hicks come back and G comes back, if they both come back, Clint staying up, Talkman, Wade, and Bird are going down. 
But that's right yeah. now. Tomorrow, Bird can go three for four, and Clint can go zero for four, and we'll be like, oh, now we got to wait and see. But Clint looks locked in. A lot can happen on the field, and a lot can happen with the injuries. It's it's not like it's not like we got our injuries and it's done for. I don't think we've been able to answer a question yet. You know, every single question, like what happens when this happens, right? Something has happened before that happening every time. Yeah, we haven't had a push come to shove yet. I'll I'll say this: you want a damning sign for Talkman? Why didn't he pitch hit for Shella in the ninth tonight? Because he sucks. There you uh, well, and there it is. <laughs> Because he said, let's go, and the whole team laughed at him. Yeah. So, but I was getting so amped for Rally Talkman, just trying to lean into a fastball. <laughs> that would be funny. Roger Dorn. That's his game. Hey, Joe from New Jersey here. I've uh, been listening for about a year. You guys are uh, really doing a great job. Um, talking about, you know, the start to the year that we've had personally i think we had a problem uh this spring training getting a little too amped up uh around the team in general and i think that may be contributing to some of these injuries uh like these guys have been uh having problems with you know starting too early just wanted to know your guys uh take on that all right guys go yanks I love the ener- the energy in spring training. I'm not blaming that on anything. The in- unless he's saying the injuries happened because they were too riled up, but I I can't do I can't connect that dot. I, it's just the injuries, man. I mean, do you remember how miserable we felt in that Boston series last year, Jake, when the Boston massacre and we were like down in the dumps? And now we look back at it and it's like Sessa started, Chance Adams started. We Shane Robinson played every game. We were a shell of ourselves. That's what we are now. We're going to look back at some of these lineups, hopefully when we're healthy and be like, wow, yeah, that wasn't our best team, huh? But right now we can't do that because right now we just have to win. That six hole Talkman lineup is already burnt into my head as a a miserable lineup. And, and Jim, I I think all of this would be less of a topic. Like if, if we, if we won tonight and we snuck out another game and you know, our, our record was a little better. I think a lot of these questions go away. The injuries are nuts. We don't know what it was. Did they push the guys too hard? Is it just the luck of the draw this year? Um, if it happens next year, I'll tell you what, my buddy John Boy here is going to be going for throats, um, <laughs> like on the training staff. So we'll see. Right and now I, you and just I have love to- Donna. Well, it's not Donna's fault. It's the strength and conditioning. Right. So right right now we're just chalking it up to some bad luck, and, and we – we do like to shrug and ignore that <laughs> we have 11 guys on the DL now. Um, you have to win every day. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But in the back of your head, you say, like, okay, well, we have 11 guys on the DL. Yeah, and I mean, there's... I look there's... at the fucking Houston's lineup, and I'm like, for the f- past four years, have any... Correa got hurt one year, right? Like, they've just been healthy? Like, what's up? What the hell? Yeah. Survive, weather the storm, weather the storm, weather the storm. Hey, Talking Yanks. Carlos. This is Carlos again. How you doing? Uh, not too happy today, huh? Uh, just read that River Avenue Blues is going to shut down. And I just want to, you know, pick your brains about if uh, 
can bring Mike or maybe somebody take care of that. I don't know. I just read that every day, uh, and it's going to be a me a big hole when they're gone. And I do have a lot of respect for Mike and you guys, of course, and I don't know. Maybe they, you can work together. I don't know, man. What are your thoughts on it? I love you guys. All right. Thanks, Carlos. Yeah, River Rapids Blues is shutting down, which is crazy because it has been a staple. Mike uh, said he got burnt out. I told you this, Jake, when I love doing what we're doing so much right now that when I read his, I got sad thinking, shit, at some point I'm going to get burnt out doing this. It's just life. That's what happens. Um, But I think Mike's burnt out, Carlos. I don't think he wants to do anything. If he wanted to do anything with us, he would just do it on his own. They have He has the platform. I've never interacted with Mike, uh, but I've read a lot of his words, so that's cool. Um, I don't know. We provide a different kind of content than he did, but we'll do our best. Yeah, and I mean he's he's at CBS Sports now. It's he's kind of he's on to that. And yeah, I mean we we're friendly with Jay. We we're friendly with a lot of that crew. As we mentioned, Katie Sharp is going to be on the on the show in a little bit. Um, I've I've been doing a podcast with her about the UConn Huskies, talking Huskies for a little bit now, and she's just been popular in the Yankees universe for a little while now. So. Uh, we're going to try to get her a little more involved. And yeah, I, I would say this. We, our, our website is, is out there. We've been getting some blogs and some regular articles. I will say this. I mean, we're not in the mo- most polite way to River Avenue Blues. We're not going to try to be them. We've, we have our own voice. They, they had their own voice. I couldn't. Um, Mike's too professional. He's like legit. Yeah, and I, I, I think our goal, we're, we'll have some of that, especially if, you know, KT gets involved. But, I mean, even Katie Sharp kind of wants to bring the professionalism down a little bit because it's, it's more real that way and it's more fun. And I, I think... Yeah, I, I think wish River, I could write like Mike, though, and organize my thoughts on Word like him. That's, that's a skill. I yeah, can just talk. I mean, that's... I, pe- people, like, try to learn that and go to, <laughs> go to school for that and stuff. And he uh, he's really good at what he does. We're gonna do we're gonna do what we do when we do, baby. Um, and we're gonna have a lot of fun with it. But if you haven't checked out the website, go check it out. We've we've been doing a lot of fun stuff on there. Johnboymedia.com will get you right there. Talking Yanks still gives issues, but it might get you there. Hey guys, it's Maggie from Buffalo. Um, also want to say hi to my dad, aka Bushy Boy. I turned him on to your podcast. Butchie Boy loves it. Um, anyway, I'd like to lighten the mood here with all these injuries. Um, so my question is, you guys are both in relationships. So my, I wanted to ask, what, who would be the Yankee that you guys would be most afraid to leave your girl alone with? Um, obviously, they're the big guys. Judge, Stanton, they're always going to be liable to steal your girl. Maybe <laughs> Country Ham and Eggs, Lukey Boy, fun guy like Dee Dee cool teddy bear like Gary or Stacey, or even, you know, someone sneaky like Brett. As a girl, I'd say Judge for sure. He's got that nice guy thing down, but that just makes him even more dangerous, in my opinion. Anyway, love to hear what you guys think. Go Yanks. All right. Thanks, Maggie from Buffalo, daughter of Butchie Boy. Interesting question here. Start sending your answer. Caitlin, I I need you real quick. Shout out to Butch. Um, Interesting. Uh, I I guess an easy answer should be all of them. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it, it's kind. Like no, get, no, not some. Like I don't want to. Chapman, I don't want to go Chapman's golf too scary. rules on this, but they have the honors. 
Um, we just, we, Katie, we just had a voicemail. Uh, Maggie called and she said, which Yankee should I be the most worried about to leave you alone with because he'd steal you away from me? Do you have an answer? My guess, my, should you want me to guess or do you want to give me your answer first? My guess is Didi. Oh, that was it. <laughs> yes. Didi, I mean, Didi, I saw Didi in person and he almost stole me away from Katie. <laughs> right. So we share the same birthday. Both in the video, intellectual. Both in the video editing. Yeah. So, yeah, mine's Didi. And you and Didi are so similar. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think I would go. I'm, I'm going. I'm going dark horse here, Jim. Who are you going? Louis Sessa. He's kind of got that slick. Like we, I've made the Andy Pettit comparison before. He just seems friendly. Like all of his posts are always happy and stuff, even when he was like pretty hard, pretty disliked in Yankee Land. Just seems like he's having a good time out there. Seems nice enough. He's he, you know, he wouldn't try to do too much. Um, obviously, it it doesn't take much to impress my girlfriend. Um, so I think if if the big guys came in too hot, that would be too much. I think Louie would just be kind of on the sideline, maybe dancing a little bit, and then bait her in. Nice. All right. Didi and uh, Luis Sessa. How about that? Boom. Hey, John Boy and Jake. This is Raph from Boston. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of great baseball. I think that the play at the top of the sixth inning, bases loaded, uh, no outs, that pickoff play on, on uh, Gary Sanchez was great baseball, but uh, can we please uh, just teach him how to you know, dive at first, you know, maybe slide, keep himself in the bag. That's all I have to say. Thanks, guys. Fundamentals. Let's get on it. I do agree. Even Clint almost got picked off a couple times today, and I was just like, end this. End this. No more mistakes on the base, pa- base paths. They need to put up a a outs on the base paths. They need to put up on it's been three days since we made an out on the base paths in the dugout. I like that. Maybe maybe a jar right there too, money jar. If if you get thrown out on the base paths, twenty bucks. Hundred bucks, Jake. Well, I mean, I don't know. These guys have families, man. One hundred dollars. This is real shit. These both I'm not joking. This may sound like a joke and we're making jokes. Those two things should be implemented stat right away. It's been how many days since we made an out on the base paths? And if you make the out you put $100 into the tip jar, and it goes to buying Dono uh, a nice br- brush. Yeah, we might, have to, we might have to put that in, like, Brian Hoke or someone's ear that's in the locker room and just kind of get that swirling. Why don't we I, just I think, do it on Twitter, you and I? I well, I mean, we, we can and we will, but, like, I think, I think with a push with one of our guys, I think we could actually get that in the Yankees clubhouse. It should be in the clubhouse. Do you know what I'm doing? That's what Jake? I'm saying. <laughs> Do you know what I'm doing on Twitter? What are you doing on Twitter? Jim? So you know how pitching ninja has been like getting guys looks for real. Like he posts them pitching and then right. Remember I'm, I'm going to establish something or I'm going to accomplish something on Twitter this year. I'm getting Tanaka a gold glove. Okay. Every, I started a thread, get Tanaka a gold glove in 2019. And every time he makes a play, I'm going to put it on that thread all season and everyone's job is to retweet it and tag all the beat writers that get a vote. And if we do it enough, 
they'll just be like, all right, fuck it. I guess I'm voting Tanaka for gold glove. I like it. It's grassroots. Social experiment. I'm getting Tanaka a gold glove. Proud of both of you. We all are. I'm going to spearhead it, and I need need everyone's help. Okay? Hashtag get Tanaka a gold glove. What is the next voicemail? Hey, what's up, John Morning Jake? Sam calling from the Jersey Shore. Um, just a quick, quick hitter for you. Just a random, completely random question. What, how many saves do you think are going to come from people not named Aroldis Chapman? And who are they going to come from? All right. That was all I just, just out of my mind because I know sometimes he goes through struggles, maybe Britain or Ottavino. Maybe Batantis, when he comes back, might pick up the slack. Hopefully, hopefully it's all Chapman and the kick ass this season. Peace. There will be days where you need like back to back saves and Chapman just went or something like that. And maybe Chapman takes a week off. I hope he doesn't ever lose the closing job. But even if he doesn't lose the closing job, okay, so I'm going to say Chapman never loses the closing job because I don't want that to happen. So I'm not even going to act like it's possible. I'm going to say how many saves come up over the course of the year where Chapman's unavailable because he worked two days in a row before. I'm going to say three, say three times someone else gets the save. And I think Otto is going to get one and Britain's and Batanz is going to get two. Interesting, interesting analysis. I think, (laughs) um, why are you laughing at my analysis? I think it's pretty sound. I no, I said it was great. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a giggly guy, man. I think we're uh, Chapman's had a few injuries in the past years. I think he's almost going to be on a CC path where he's like a one knee injury a year kind of guy like that plant knee. I think bothers him every year now. Tendonitis. So I, I mean, right now it's out of Vino by a mile. A, we love Dellen in that eighth inning role when he's right to the point. We almost don't want to mess with him. And out of stuff just looks silly. It looks like a complete video game right now. So it's, it's out of Vino. Okay. Batances may come back, and Batances is great, too. Uh, all right. We're running out of time a little bit, so I'm going to a couple more. Oh, man. This is Nick from Santa Barbara. I feel bad because he called three times, but okay. it sounds like he's under 1,000 miles of water, 1,000 leagues under the sea. Sorry, Nick. Uh, translate, maybe? No, because I did a bad job taking notes. It was something about, oh, first base. He thinks Voight and Bird both aren't getting the job done and wants to pick up, like, smoke or something. Yeah, some people were talking about smoke because the the Blue Jays were selling. I actually saw Mike Axisa said the Yankees should be on the horn with him trying to get him. Uh, It is a development, Jim. It is so early, but the first base job has gone from cool fun to not as cool fun recently. Birdie and Voight haven't looked as impressive as they they did. Yeah, hopefully Voigt got a nice nice piece of hitting with runners in scoring position by Voigt today versus Verlander for the RBI single. Yeah. I liked that. I think that was good. He's got a hit in um his last four games now, Voigt. So we could be I'm not I I, I still have faith in Voigt. Yeah. I think his batting average is still below two hundred. Um batting Yeah, well he needs to rack up a couple at bats is on base is 357. It batting average. It needs to be higher than that obviously, but the other stats right. are pretty high for being that low. Yeah, um, I mean his OPS is still in the 7s, right? Yeah, 721. 
Yeah, so I don't know. It's, again, still small sample size. A good game from Voight, and he's having a good season again. Uh, this was the worst Birds looked. I know that's not a hot take because he had the golden sombrero, but he had a couple pitches to hit, and he just followed them off, and then he looked awful with two strikes. So yep. uh, worst Bird game so far. Is this crazy to say? What's up, John Boy? What's up, Jake? Uh, I like DJ LeMay. He's starting. Uh, when Andujar comes back, I like him over Andujar. Uh, get rid of Tulo. They'll have Andujar on the bench. But because it's so consistent, um, his bat and his glove, I like DJ better. What do you think? Okay. I don't want to say what I'm about to say. Here we go. Urshela and DJ at third have been breaths of fresh air, man. Those little yeah, dribblers that Urshela can come in and just make and DJ can come in and just make. And with Andujar, you hold, he, he can make majority of them. That's fine. But you hold your breath. It's a completely different feeling. We'll see what Andujar's story is. I think he's going to miss the whole season. But I don't know, man. I, when you see the steady defense at third, you really, really like it. I told you, Playoff Bregman last year really opened my eyes. I hadn't seen that in a long time. Um, even the ball, there was a hop that that hopped up on Urshela and almost caught him in the biscuits. R.I.P. Gary, get better, bud. Um, do you want me to do live play-by-play? Seven seconds left, 68-68. to 68. Texas Tech puts up a three, misses, rebound. Oh, wow, Jake. 0.8 seconds left in the national championship game, tied 68-68. to 68. Overtime. No, someone's going to get a shot here. Point eight. Point eight. Sounds like you're going to call it. So <laughs> this is exciting. Well, we got they're going to do a timeout and stuff like that. So I'll go to the next voicemail and I'll just intertwine my call to the national championship game as we go. Um, do we answer the question? <laughs> uh, yeah. I it's not. So. An, it's not an answer. We have to see. It could be so far away. It could be next season. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of positivity around it. We'll we'll see what happens. I don't buy I don't buy a single thing of positivity that the Yankees say about these injuries. I'll All say these the, mo- the most positive thing I've heard about an injury has been the Anduhar stuff. That he threw a ball? That they like think he's coming back now this year. I haven't heard that. I just heard that he's started throwing, and the chances like it's oh, still I, the I, same. I thought thing. I saw a lot of tweets saying he was he was trying to come back this year. Yeah, but so was Sevy, and now Sevy's got another setback. R- right, but his his was never optimistic. It was like he's going to fl- throw on flat ground and throw, and now he's not. I I don't know. I'm just telling you what I've seen. Yeah, I I'm I don't buy any of I don't put any stock into any of the updates until the dude is wearing a uniform and in between the lines playing rehab games, they could be months away. All of them, besides CeCe. CeCe's going to be on the team soon, and he just he made a rehab a, game. And just, did a re, just did a rehab game, so there you go. Everyone else, I mean, I know I'm cynical, so I lean like way on the cynical side, but I don't believe any of their updates. Next. What's up, fellas? This is David from Toronto. Just asking, trying not to overreact here. But with Voight hitting 182 at this point, do you think he should be moved out of the three spot to five or six uh, and Gary or Glaber move to three? Just so that Judge has some pitches to hit, because at this point, 
he's getting nothing to hit. Uh, thanks. Take care, fellas. Um, there's a flush at the end. Nice flush pod. Uh, everyone knows I don't care about batting order that much, but yeah, if if they if they were to move Voight out of the three hole, I would say yeah, nice. That makes sense. If they were to keep Voight in the three hole, I would say all right. Hopefully, he breaks out. Um, we actually talk about this coming up with K Sharp a little bit. Batting order matters like zero amount in the end. Yeah, guys pe- have to pe- hit. People want to put more of an emphasis on it than there, than it is. Um, yeah, I, I could see. I I naturally I like Void slid down a little more, but and again, guys, we have a ton of people hurt. <laughs> uh, Stanton, Hicks, Anduhar, like these are all guys that could be ahead of Voit in a batting order. So naturally, so naturally, um, four of our top six batters: Hicks, Stanton, St- Hicks, Stan, Anduhar, Didi would all be in the top six of the batting order if they were healthy. Yep, and they're not. Hey guys, it's Suzanne from the DMV, originally from upstate New York. Uh, quick call. I was at two of the three games at Orioles Park at Camden Yards. It was awesome being in the crowd for opening day and then the home run extravaganza on Sunday. Um, I do have an opinion on your Yankee motherfucker. If motherfucker is a little too hard, maybe come with that damn Yankee. Just a thought. I'm totally good with the Yankee MFR, especially with your soundbite. You guys are doing great. I tell every Yankee fan I meet to subscribe to you guys. Let's keep growing. Go Yanks. Let's keep growing. I love that. That gave me Thanks, Suzanne. That was very nice, Suzanne from the DMV, originally from upstate New York. She says you can call it that damn Yankee. Uh, I had a, lot, a good amount of feedback, Jake, in the DMs on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere. It's yeah. staying. Yankee motherfucker is staying. Not one person reached out and said, I'd like it to be changed. Right. One second on the clock. Texas Tech's inbounds takes to three. Terrible, terrible shot going to OT. Point eight. Uh, no, they put they put point two back on the clock at one second. Had it. Had it. You missed it. Uh, yeah, so that damn Yankee. It's going to say the Yankee motherfucker. I'll try my best to, to say the F word. Oh, we, oh, got blocked. Wow, nice play. I'll try my best to say the F word less outside of the Yankee motherfucker part. Mm-hmm. That's my thing to you. All right, that ends the voicemails. We are going to throw it now to a new section of the show. So let's drop the music. All right, here's our new segment for every Tuesday episode. We have special guest, recurring guest. She's going to come on every Tuesday, Katie Sharp, KT Stats. You may know her from Twitter. You may know her from her Yankee Metrics with River Ave Blues. Uh, Talking Huskies with Jake. She's been a guest on Talking Yanks before, and we're super excited to have her bring all her knowledge to the table every Tuesday to talk about some of the deeper analytics. Katie, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. These these are worlds worlds colliding for me. Um, nor, nor, normally normally deal with you two separately, but we're 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 all back <laughs> together again. This this is going to be fun. We'll get KT, the queen of stats, as everyone knows, or if you don't know, now you know. And yeah, let's roll it out there. We'll get some good stats. We'll get some opinions out there, and. I'm I'm guessing by the end of these, Katie is going to look pretty good, and we're going to say, "Okay, that was cool." I learned. We learned today. 
we're looking for a name for this segment, so we need your guys' help. We were throwing things around like uh, the stats report or um, stats reporter or Katie's corner or Katie's clubhouse. We need uh, all of those are like in the correct area, but just a little too lame for my liking. So we decided to ask you guys, our great, our great audience. We need some uh, some ideas. Throw everything you got at us. Yeah. Cool. All right. So as as you guys know, Katie's great with stats. If you don't follow her on Twitter, you're missing out because the insights you get are unreal. So we have a couple things we're going to try and just talk about what's going on under the surface. And now this first one that I said is I brought this up to the on Twitter the other day, and it's the ex Woba stat, Katie, which you taught me when you came on the show last year. I asked about what stat do you what's your favorite stat? And you said Woba. And that was my first time really understanding it. I have an issue with Woba uh, and whoever named it. Stupidest name. <laughs> stupidest name. If it was called something that isn't like you throw an X and a W together, people are out. They're like, that's math. I'm out. Because all it is is saying, if you are unfamiliar with Woba, and Katie can correct me, it's saying, okay, Gary hit this ball 101 miles per hour at a 42 degree angle. Every ball that has been hit with those same exact measurements in the last five years, 80% of them have been home runs. So the expected result is Gary to hit a home run. But park factor, did he hit it to the deepest part of that park that he's in? Wind resistance, defensive shifts can change those, and that's what you would say, unlucky. Is that is that the layman terms breakdown of WOBA? That's that's not actually that's not the layman terms breakdown of WOBA. Okay. WOBA, just the core WOBA is basically it's a better form of of an offensive measure, like a performance measure on offense. Okay. So you know, we have OPS, which a lot of people like to cite um, as sort of, ooh, the new sabermetric uh, stat. But that's that's really not a good measurement of a true offensive talent because what you're doing is the weights on on in OPS are all wrong. So okay. what WOBA does is it measures a single the correct way, it measures a triple the correct way, it measures a double the correct way, and a homer the correct way, and a walk the correct way. Oh, I was um, doing – In terms of – you were doing X Woba. X Woba, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Woba, we know what that does is it uses what's called linear weights. And basically all that does is it makes sure that, you know, a home run is is not four times as much is worth not worth four times as much as a single, right? And a double is not twice as much as a as a single. Um so okay. what it does is it weights those correctly in quarter in terms of you know, how many runs they're expected to produce mm -hmm. uh, when you hit one. Okay. So, and then when you add the X in there, your favorite letter, <laughs> that's when you, what it does is basically that looks at Woba, but then it does what it's supposed to do based on the launch angle and the velo exit velocity of yeah. the batted ball. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yes. So Gary was leading after <clears throat> the first five games or so. He was leading all of majors in small sample size, but that's what we have to work with in X Woba, which is a it's a nerdy way of saying Gary's hitting the hell out of the ball and expect good things to happen if he keeps this up. And he did, and he went Babe Ruth on us. So is there any other underlying stats to to tell like that you saw that was like, oh shit, Gary might be going off soon? Yeah, I mean, and that and that was a great point. I saw that I saw your tweet on Twitter and I was like, 
John, John Boy, man, yo, he's smart. Um, so, and You're I, a bad and liar, now that I, Katie. No, no now that I know, now that I know who taught him to be so smart, yeah. I'm really a bit better about it. There you so, go. Um, yeah, I mean, one other thing that uh, that I wanted to cite is yes, the ex Woba stat. That's great. Um, you know, he's hitting the crap out of the ball. He's also leading in some of the more traditional, like expected, more expected stats of expected slugging. He's also the best in that. And then there's another stat I wanted to cite, which is on uh, on Statcast. You can find there, which is barrels. And barrels, for people who don't know, are basically it's like the best type of contact that you can make with a ball in order for it to be like an extra base hit or a home run or something. Whoever named this one did a good job. Yes. Yes. I, I figured you'd like this one. So basically the average, the batting average on, you know, an average barrel last year was 822. So you're hitting 822 and you have a slugging of uh, 2.386 when you hit a barrel. So that's good. Basically, it's going to go for a home run or a double or something like that. So that that was an 830, 832 batting average, Katie. If you barrel it, you're you're getting a hit 83% of the time? Essentially, yeah. Okay. And you're averaging about 2.4 bases per hit, which is yeah. what slugging percentage is. So yeah, so that's basically, you know, kind of the best type of, of batted ball you can have. And Gary was leading in in barrels per plate appearance. So the percentage of barrels per plate appearance, he's leading in total barrels, uh, one more than Mike Trout, and he's uh, leading in barrels per batted ball. So of all the batted balls he's hit, 40% of them have been like mashing. Wow. You know, like if you can't consider barrel to be like a mashed ball, 40% of the time that uh, Gary has put the ball in play, it's just like, you know, you know, it's going to go far and it's going to go high and the whole, you know, we can get John Sterling to shine in <laughs> And I was talking to my dad about the Woba stat and stuff like that because, I mean, it's all new to him, but he does a good job accepting it or at least trying to accept it, you know, the new stats. And what made it resonate a little bit when I said, like, well, Gary's leading the league in this ex-Woba stat. He's just hitting the ball really hard right now, but he does, the results aren't exactly there. And I said, Trout's number two and blah, blah. I forget who it was, but, you know, the leaders in barrels in Woba, they are the dudes. It's not like you're going to find some scrub you've never heard of who like, buddy, can barrel up the ball. You know what I mean? Like it's usually the top tier guys land up. And that's how you know when like a, the eye test and the stat meets up. Because if, if, if you look at the end result of a stat and it's just completely different than what you would assume from watching baseball, those are the stats that I can't get behind because I very much am in the opinion you you the eye test is there and then you lean on the stats to back up the eye test a lot of people think the eye test is terrible now and you just can do it with stats I don't know what side of the fence you guys land on but basically these stats barrels and bowl but the top tier guys are who you expect like trout's up there and everything yeah kind of what you're doing is you're putting numbers to the eye test essentially Because we, you know, before StatCast existed, people would always be like, oh, he's hitting the ball hard, right? Yeah. Yeah, that thing was, uh, that thing just, you know, he smoked that ball. Um, (laughs) But now you can really say with authority, you know, have the data to back it up that, yeah, Gary is really, you know, he's hitting the ball hard. 
And, um, you know, one other thing I want to point out is that people kind of lament his, his 250 batting average or when he's, he's hitting 220 or something like that. Well, his expected batting average, which is, you know, another one of those stats based on launch angle and exit velocity, is 364. So essentially he's had a bunch of hits robbed from him um, mm-hmm. that should have gone for hits probably, you know, at least 75% of the time normally. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I think that you can see that he's really having, you know, a really productive season so far, even though, you know, people may have, people may not like the fact that he's only has, you know, maybe he only has eight hits or something like that. Yeah. I mean, and how much does defensive shifts come into play there? Cause Gary ropes a lot of balls kind of right up the middle and they're positioned perfectly Would that factor into the expected batting average is it take into account shifts or is it saying that he hits into the shifts well it does not it does not account for shifts per se because it's just based on historically what those the characteristics of the ball of the batted ball like exit velocity yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and launch angle so it's not taking into into account where the fielders are positioned but he's actually hit well against the shifts which cool. is basically because he's he's hitting the ball over the shifts and <laughs> he's hitting the ball so hard that it goes through the shifts, essentially, um, is what he's doing. Hopefully, by the time people are listening to this, he popped Verlander twice. We're recording before the game, yes. but I'm just going to go ahead and assume Gary hit two more home runs. He's now uh, made contact with nine balls and has seven or eight home runs. So yeah, this is exciting. Yeah. A couple other things I wanted to point out to you guys. Um, about why I kind of feel pretty good um, about what he's doing. And, you know, we said at the beginning, small sample size, blah, blah, blah. But he has a sub-20 strikeout rate right now. It's only 19%. His career rate is about 25%. That's He was at like 26% last year. As we're recording this, he's got like 35, 40 plate appearances. So it's not meaningful, but that's going to be a trend that, you know, you want to keep watching. And an even better one, which is what I like, is that four of his uh, six homers at this point have come with two strikes. I love that. That's that's one of my favorite things about the home runs. Yeah. So he's he's actually five for 22 with four home runs in two strike counts this year. And it, adding the two he got on Verlander today. Uh, yes. Okay. No, we need to add two more <laughs> yeah. to that then. Those were yes. both two strikes as well. They, they were 0-2 pitches, yeah, of course. Yes, of course. Right? You know, down and... <laughs> really big, really big curveballs from Verlander. I like I like painting the picture now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's super encouraging. I mean, everybody struggles with two strikes. Uh, I can't, you know, I'm not going to recite his numbers from last year. Uh, and the other one that I wanted to point out was that he's only had a handful of plate appearances against lefties. Think of who's at this point, um, as we're recording this, it's only six of his plate appearances have come versus lefties. And he has, you know, he's dominated lefties in his in his career. I mean, that, that's no that's no secret. Last year, his stats versus lefties were basically the same as his career. If you look at it, slugging OPS, uh, batting average on base percentage, uh, it's where what he did against righties, where he was way below average. I think his slugging percentage was about 200 points below his career uh, against righties last year. So this year he's doing it all against righties. Um, he's seeing the ball really well. And um, those are just a couple things, obviously in a small sample size that kind of make me feel a little bit better about what he's doing this year. 
Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that Jimmy and I have stumbled into, which could be tied to all this, is Gary's healthy, I think. I think last year that shoulder was banged up more than he let on. I think we've seen it on offense and defense early this season. And I, I wonder <laughs> if, if you're sitting there saying, wow, these, these guys – these guys and gals are coming out with some serious hot takes after Gary hit his three home runs. These stats were there before the three home runs. So that's, that's what we're trying to show you that, you know, and we can keep an eye for that. If, you know, someone comes back and you start seeing those numbers climb, maybe that'll be a good tell. Maybe not another three homer game, but someone getting hot quick. Um, and Katie, I, I wanted to kind of jump over to the second thing you have here. Cause we, we talked to, we, we knew what we were getting into the ex Woba a little bit and it, it well, Hey, it's a lot of fun to talk about, especially what we just saw from Gary. You said you've got some fun numbers on Glaber, and you you have clutch in parentheses there. So I'm I'm excited to see what you have. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys believe in the clutch gene. I, you know, I'm I'm such sort of a net uh, stat nerd that I I kind of don't believe in it, but at, at the same at the same time, yeah, you do. I, at the same time, and I'm an athlete, you know, a former <laughs> athlete, college at former college athlete and so you know I've, I've been around people who just they they just rise to the occasion and and, and there is something to be said for it it's calm under pressure like i don't think you can take yeah. the the emotion of a human out of the situation you know what i mean like if some dude is very very nervous in pressure situations which is a human trait for some people and other people are super calm and kind of like Bernie. maybe Bernie or Manny Ramirez, just like dumb to not think <laughs> they don't think they're not their Their skill set is that they don't actively think then they're going to be better in those pressure situations that can like calm themselves down. And the stats can't account for that. So while I love stats, I hate when people try to tell me there's no such thing as clutch, like Matsui Jeter, those dudes rose to the occasion when it mattered more than your normal player. Exactly. And I think, you know, that, that word calm, I think is, is really good. Um, and I, I think I was reading you know, one article, you know, the past week about how that's one of the things that Aaron Boone mentioned about him was that he just seems so calm at the plate. Uh, the situation doesn't matter. And, you know, I do have some stats to, to sort of really back this up. There are some stats where you can kind of look at clutch and I'm not saying that it's a predictive stat. So I'm not saying that, He's going to keep doing this for the rest of his career. It's what we like to call in the sabermetric world, a descriptive stat. So it's, it's described what's already happened. You know, you can't, mm -hmm. these are the facts. You can't deny this. So what, uh, what Fangraphs does is they kind of split up plate appearances in terms of leverage. And basically what you're saying is how much pressure is this situation? You know, is there a guy on first and third and two outs Are you, and you're down by one, or is it basis empty and no outs? And you're leading by 10. So obviously one is low pressure, one is high pressure. And they put them into categories of high, medium, and low. And so I looked at I looked up some of Glaber's stats after he hit that, you know, that huge home run to win the game on uh, I think it was, was Saturday, was it Thursday, Saturday, whenever it was. <laughs> um, uh, we you know what we're talking about. Uh, and since the start of last season, so this looking at these uh, high leverage stats. He leads all of Major League Baseball, uh, well, guys with at least 40 plate appearances, in high leverage batting average, slugging percentage, OPS, RBIs, our favorite stat, WOBA, mm -hmm. and then another stat I'm, I'm not going to 
go into, but Weighted rate Runs Creative Plus, which is basically uh, park-adjusted WOBA. So it's basically the same thing. And uh, he's second in home runs hit in these situations to uh, Chris Davis with a K. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> Every, everyone was about to throw those stats out if you said the other Chris Davis. <laughs> exactly. So basically, he has been... Essentially, he's been the best offensive player, the most productive player in these high leverage situations since the start of last season, um, you know, over his entire career. This is taking baseball. all of 2018 in account? Yes. This is wow. since the start of last season. So it's not just a small <laughs> I mean, it is a small sample in terms of, you know, the bigger picture. But it's just looking at his entire career um, and comparing it to the rest of the league. And I think that that, that says a lot about – um, about what he's done in these high pressure situations. And I think here's like an eye test explanation for it, I would say, is that he adjusts his swing mid-pitch, where Voight, Judge, Judge sometimes does, uh, like Hicks doesn't, Stanton doesn't. They don't adjust their approach for the situation that much. And Glaber does. If he reads curveball and thinks he can reload and then slap a single on that curveball, he'll do that. You know, you don't see uh, the other guys change their swing. And that's by design. Like Barry Bonds says, if you don't take your full swing every time you swing, you're a fool. Like he never checked his swing. He took his home run swing every swing. So that's what the home run hitters do. So there's there's people, there's good and bad to both sides. But I think Glaber, he recognizes pitches and the situation and will adjust so that's like the eye test backing up. That's probably why he's good in these situations because he will uh, do what he needs to do on that given pitch. Yeah, I think we I think we actually saw that um, in that game when he swung through a high fastball earlier in the game, and then the uh, the home run, the clinching home run that he hit, that three run homer, that was or whatever it was. Um, I think it was the uh, same at bat. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was it in the same at bat when he hit another high fastball and it went out of the park. I think he opened um, him up with a high fastball. I, if I recall this correctly, the first pitch was a high fastball that was called strike, and then they went back to it, and Glaber swung through it, and then they went back to it again. It was a missed spot, and Glaber crushed it for a homer. So yeah, he's yeah. he makes those adjustments and figures out the situation. And then I think you can also point to the fact that he is basically split proof, um, in terms of home versus road, lefties versus righties. He has nearly identical career OPSs against lefties and righties and the same on the ho- at home and on the road. So a guy that that's, that's that consistent in his approach, regardless of sort of the, the environmental factors or where he is or who he's facing, uh, I think he's inevitably going to be, you know, good in those pressure situations. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to have a, a, a see even more of who Glaber is this season as long as he stays healthy, which has been a huge problem for the Yankees here. And we just got, I don't know if you guys saw this, it just came through a couple minutes ago. Bad news on Severino. He's going to get more testing of uh, the MRI. He has a setback. So that might mean a Domingo Herman show rolls on for a long time. We'll see how it goes. But you had a note here. You wanted to talk about the depth that they have and the stats to support, like, the depth the Yankees have versus other teams, or how are you going to lay this out for us? What uh, what do we have here on the depth? Depth. Uh, well, I think you know. Well, first I wanted kind of to point out that uh, of their injured players, basically, I mean, this is this was 
an enormous hit. I think more than that, than people kind of realize that last year, the, uh, so they've got like, they've got 11 players on the DL, right. And eight of them played last year. And those eight accounted for about 47% of the total war on the team. It's crazy. And <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. And then if you look at the projections, so for those 11 players, what they were projected to do this year for the team, it's about 50% of the team's projected war. And this is coming from Fangraphs, uh, what's called the, their zip, Zips projections. So basically they lost half of, half of what they were supposed to, to have this year in the first week of the season. And, you know, kind of the ability of these players to, to step up has been really what's been remarkable. Uh, if you look at LeMahieu, uh, he's gotten on base half his plate appearances. He has been a steady force. And then you've got, you know, kind of on the pitching side, you've got, you know, you've got the Domingo Horman, essentially your sixth or your seventh starter. And he has a 1.64 ERA and just, you know, has allowed one hit and two hits in his uh, in his first two appearances. Uh, so I think that that's, you know, that's that's one of the end. One of the um, look looking at depth. Another one is that they had 11 players that were projected for at least one war this season. Um, and that was that was Cashman's plan. Right. You know, he kind of eschewed the to the chagrin of, you know, most of the Yankee world. Didn't really go hard on Machado or Harper um, and instead built the team through depth. And, uh, you know, that's kind of showed in that they have, you know, more than half you know, more than half of their project, you know, at least almost half of their projected 25 man roster for at least one war. Uh, so, which is a good thing. You don't want to have negative war on a team, you know, no, you don't um, want to have, you don't want to have guys sucking out at the bottom. Yeah. No Chris Carter's please. No Chris Carter's exactly. So I think that that's, you know, that's kind of been one of the most telling, telling stats I think so far is that just the number of players that have stepped up, who were supposed to be, you know, in AAA or were supposed to be riding the bench um, that have really, uh, really played well this season. If Clint can can put Clint, it together and, another one. and do what his talent says he should be able to do in the batter's box, then that is really sparkling depth. Like that is the prime example of Hicks stand down, but don't worry, we'll call up Clint and he'll mash. I mean, that would be huge. And thank God he just had two more home runs off Verlander in this game. <laughs> it was it was nuts that Glaber got him twice, Gary got him twice, and Clint got him twice. It's a, the, the Yanks are hot. You're you're right, Jim. And it was, I I tried I said it a lot this offseason because I kind of thought Clint was gonna get packaged with Sonny Gray or something like that, just because as Yankees fans, we do we do overlook these guys sometimes. If 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 any other team had Clint Frazier penciled in as their everyday left fielder, we'd be talking about his 30 home run potential and what he can do. And for the Yankees, we're talking about, you know, two injuries to Aaron Hicks, a war specialist, and Giancarlo Stanton, a guy who's won the MVP, to be able to call him up. I mean, that's huge. We need to see it. This Houston series is going to be a big test of like, okay, the depth's cool, but they're still not, you know, A-plus team. So what can they do? We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Anything else we got? Um, I wanted to, there was something I was thinking of that I can't remember now. I will, a future, maybe next week, Katie, I would, I want to talk about batting order. We get so many complaints 
about lineup construct and should Voight be behind Judge? Should Gary now move behind Judge? Gardner in the leadoff hole. So I don't know what stats are out there. I know there's some, uh, you know, there's some uh, the three hole the three hole hitter actually comes up with no one on base more often than any other position. I think is a stat. So I don't know. Maybe next week we'll do some batting lineup construction stats and because uh, everyone loves the lineup, talking about it and complaining about it. Well, everyone hates the lineup, basically. Whatever <laughs> yeah, lineup yes. that Boone puts out there, everyone <laughs> is going to hate it. Uh, yeah, so, true. all right, well, that that's a challenge. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a challenge because I don't usually like talking about the lineup stuff. Me neither, um, Katie, but it, it's, we, it, we get bombarded with it every day. The bottom line, and I'll just give you, you know, a little, little snippet. Shut them down, down now. now. Essentially, it, it means about one-tenth of one run per game. And yes, you know, if they lose by, you know, an inch, you know, yeah. being thrown out of the plate, maybe that's that's the reason. But um, but it essentially, you know, game to game, it really doesn't have much of a difference. It doesn't really make much of a difference over the course of a season. Yes, uh, a, t- a player that accumulates a lot of plate appearances at the top of the order, obviously, mm-hmm. is going to have more plate appearances as somebody is who's regularly batting ninth. Um, but you know, for people who sort of nitpick every little game and every little batting order and every little lineup, I just get annoyed. I mean, <laughs> I'm with you. I, I just get so annoyed anyways. People like skipping the players. People like skipping the players any way they can and moving on to what happened. Void had a terrible day. It's because he shouldn't be batting three. Gardner got on base exactly. once, you know, it's just blame the player. It's kind of like the, uh, oh, if Judge was batting, or no, you know, if Glaber was batting three, he would have been up when, you know, with two outs in the ninth and, and a chance to drive in that run on second base. Well, no. Yeah, can't you don't do know. <laughs> you can't, can't do that. You can't, you can't predict that. <laughs> if you could, then you'd probably be in Vegas or something, you know. All right. So hope, hopefully next by next Tuesday, we have a couple more players heating up on the verge of breaking out, and we have some that have broken out. Look out for Glaber in high leverage situations and still keep an eye out for Gary just to be barreling the hell out of balls and send us all your name ideas for this segment. That's going to be on every Tuesday show with Katie Sharp, the queen of stats. We thank you for joining us and uh, we'll see you again next week. All right. That was Katie Sharp in the segment that has yet to be named. We need your help. Send in some. How about this, Jim? Leave a five-star review with what we should name the segment. And if we choose your name, you get get a shirt. Oh, I was going to say some stickers, but a shirt. You get a shirt. We'll throw in the stickers with the shirt. No, I can't do that. Yeah, we won't do that. You just get a shirt. Be happy with your damn shirt, whoever names our segment. Thanks for the name and take your damn shirt. You see, I was going to say your effing shirt, but I held back and I said damn shirt because I'm doing better now. Proud of you. And that is the end of this show. I I came into this episode very angry, and I'm leaving only mildly perturbed. So tell him. Tell him, Grams. Oh, yeah, Yankees.